Well, again, a very good morning. How are you, church? Good. Good. I'm so glad to see you here this morning. Now, if you are a regular, you come in and out, you're kind of going, hey, a few things are out of order. Just bear with me. We're going to get to all the stuff we do here. If you noticed, we did not have a little greeting this morning, did we? We didn't have that moment where we say, say hi to someone, or if Sean and Alex were up here, he'd say something like, now turn around and say hi to the person behind you, which is great unless you're in the back row, then there's no one to greet, and so you go, wait, what do I do then? So here's what we're going to, we are going to greet one another, but, but we're going to try something a little different this morning, okay? We're going to do a little experiment. See, today we're in this series called Today Resolution, and we're looking at different ways, just one little daily resolution each week, a different resolution that we are invited to by Jesus to walk with him in a more intentional, purposeful way. And I'm going to blow the punchline this morning. Are you ready? The one thing today is this one idea that is throughout Scripture. It's the word gratitude. And we're going to talk about it in just a moment. But I think we should play a little game, do a little experiment, see how our hearts feel when we practice or don't practice gratitude. And we're going to do it this way. Okay, so, so here's how we're going to do this. This half, basically like Clint Fear and Over, okay? Yeah, Clint, yeah, you're on this side, very good. You know, Roy, you're on this side. You see, just right down the middle. Here we go. If you're on this side, the left side, in a moment when I say stand and say hi to someone, your job is to greet the person around you with a complaint. How many of you are going, wait a minute, can I swap sides? How many of you remember Seinfeld and Festivus, right? Airing of grievances, anyone else? So that's what you're going to do. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to think about, okay, what is something that just bugs you? Maybe it's something personal. Maybe it's your job. Maybe it's your finances. Maybe it's your health. Or maybe you really, this is like your golden opportunity because there's someone sitting next to you. You have been waiting for a chance to tell them what you really think. Maybe you just want to tell them, I've never really liked your face. Or I think your singing is bad. It's messing up my worship. Or maybe you just want to say, I wish we could swap spots. I mean, whatever it is, okay? So in a moment, that's what I want you to do. Now, for those of you on this side, on the right side, in a moment, I want you to stand and I want you to greet someone with gratitude. Something that you're thankful for. And again, let me give you just a few examples. Maybe you want to thank or tell them how grateful you are for the good weather. Or maybe you want to talk about your good health or the fact that you are privileged to sit next to the person right there. You are beautiful. You smell good. Whatever it may be, okay? And we're going to see how we feel after this. So if you will, let's stand up. Go ahead, stand up. You've got, oh, 15 seconds and let her go. Okay, okay, let's rein it back in. Come on, grab your seats, grab your seats. Some of you are enjoying this way too much over here. So go and grab a seat. Now, here's what I want to do. As you grab your seat, I want you to consider this. Let's, let's just do a little test here, okay? Those of you on this side, on the complaining side, by the way, the biblical word for complaining is called grumbling. So all my grumblers, here's what I want you to do. After those 15 seconds of just letting it go, how many of you, by grumbling, feel more vibrant, closer to God, more in line with the will of the Spirit? Anyone over here just feel great about it? That's good, because if you raised your hand, you would have the spiritual gift of complaining. Good job, right? And how many of you over here who, after a few seconds of gratitude, of celebrating the good, how many of you feel more vibrant, more attuned to God, more joyful? How many of you, let's just do it this way, raise your hand if that's you over here. 
How many of you over here are going, I just am still not awake. That's okay. You can put a hand up there. How many of you over here wish that you could swap spots with the people over there? Raise your hand. Absolutely. Now, here's the thing. We're not simply going to talk about the therapeutic benefits of grumbling versus complaining or versus gratitude. We're not going to talk about those. We are going to talk about the spiritual benefits because this is something that is fundamental about what it means not to be only human, but to walk in the will of God, that today we would give thanks. In fact, this is a theme throughout Scripture. Let me give you just a few examples of this. Paul says to the church in Thessalonians, he says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks. Now, how often are you supposed to give thanks, church? In all circumstances. Let me give you a couple more. The psalmist writes in Psalm 103, Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all is... What's that word? Benefits. Yeah, so God gives us good things. Let me give you another one from Psalm 118, verse 1. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. His love endures... How long? How long? Forever. And then maybe the most famous verse in all of Scripture on giving thanks. It's this one right here. This is the day the Lord has made. We will... Say these words with me. Rejoice and be glad in it. That's right. This is the theme of Scripture. And you cannot have a with God life and practice what the Bible calls grumbling. It's not conducive, nor is it compatible. And so here's what we're going to do. We're going to practice it this morning. We're not going to just talk about it. We're going to practice it. And so on your seat, there should be a name tag. Do you see that name tag? Go ahead and pick that up, please. Now, some of you have already filled it out and put your own name on it. That's all right. I'm going to ask you, though, to take it back off. I apologize. I should have said something earlier, but take it off. And here's what I want you to do. Over the next few minutes during the message, I want you to write down at least one, but if you can fit more, two, three, five, however many things for which you are grateful. Because here's the reality. Sometimes during sermons, is it true that sometimes our minds begin to wander? Does anyone else's mind wander during? I mean, mine does, and I'm up here. Anyone else? So here's what I want to invite us to do. During the sermon, if your mind begins to wander, may it wander towards gratitude. Write down things for which you're thankful. Let me give you just a few examples. Maybe you want to thank God for something that's individual. Maybe for a family member, a coworker, or teacher. Maybe you want to thank God about an experience such as getting to go to school, getting to go to work, or having the ability to travel. Maybe you want to thank God for small gifts, things that may not seem that big but really are fantastic, such as an encouraging word from a friend, a phone call, or a text message that says, I love you. Maybe it's a good night's sleep. Anyone here thankful for a good night's sleep? How many of you wish you could get a good night's sleep? Amen. So when you have it, that's a big gift from God. Or maybe it's just getting to eat some good food that you enjoy. Or maybe you want to write down some life-changing moments, things that have changed you completely. Maybe it's our faith in Jesus Christ, or it's the gift of the Holy Bible. Maybe it's the death of Jesus Christ on the cross so you can be forgiven and I can be forgiven. Maybe you want to thank God for the gift of the Holy Spirit that guides you and leads you. Or maybe it's the spiritual gifts that you're not simply saved, but you have been given the ability to serve. Or maybe you want to thank God for a community called the church. There's so many things you could thank God for. And so over the next few minutes, I invite you to practice gratitude. Author and teacher John Ortberg makes a very interesting observation. He says that for us to have gratitude, there are three factors that must all be present. There are three things that must always happen. First, there must be a gift. Second, there must be a giver. And third, there must be a recipient. For there to be gratitude, you need to have a gift, something that has been given to you 
And to be grateful, you must have received a gift. Now, this is very important. It must be something that you perceive as a good thing for it to be a gift, correct? If someone gives you a punch in the nose, that's not a gift, is it? At least, well, maybe it is, and it's one you'd like to return to sender. Can I get an oh yeah? So there's got to be a gift for there to be gratitude. The second one is there must be a giver. To be grateful, I must believe not just that gifts don't come by accident. Gifts come from someone. For it to be a gift, it has to come from an individual. And also very important, I must believe that this person wants to will my good, has good things for me, and wants to bless me. There must be a giver. In fact, the biblical writers are convinced that there is such a giver. He is the great giver. The half-brother of Jesus, a man named James, writes this in James chapter 1, verse 17. He says, Every good and perfect gift is from above coming down from the Father of lights. Light is a gift from God and is symbolic of all good gifts from God. And then number three, there must be a recipient, someone who receives the gift. And by the way, that's you and that's me. You and I are both the recipients of the good gifts of God. In fact, did you notice all three of these elements are present in that verse from Psalm 118? Let's look at it again. Verse 24 says, this is the day. Now that is what? That's the gift, isn't it? Today is a gift. You woke up with air in your lungs. You have blood that is pumping through your body. You are in a church that loves you, that loves Jesus. You've been saved by a Savior or You can be saved by a Savior even today. This day is a gift, amen? Amen. Today's a gift. Now, do you notice there's also a giver in this passage? We're told that the Lord has made it. In other words, it didn't just happen. The universe didn't look out on you and say, I love you. It's not an inanimate force. It's not an inanimate object. There is a giver who loves you and has given today to you. And in fact, there's the third part. There's a recipient, isn't there? We, who? You and me. That there are these three elements for you and I to be grateful people requires a gift, a giver, and a recipient. Now, there's one more thing here. To be grateful, we need to understand and understand that we did not earn what we have been given. Amen? You didn't earn it. We don't deserve it. We haven't worked for it. For it to be a gift, it must be something we did not earn. If you earn it, it's not a gift. Can I get a uh uh-huh? Let me give you a silly example. Suppose you come over to my house today and you say, Josh, I want to give you a brand new car. You haven't earned it. In fact, you're not even that great of a preacher. I'm just going to give you a gift. Now, what's my response going to be? Wow, thank you. That's amazing. But suppose instead I come over and I say, I will pay you fair market value for that vehicle. And you hand me the keys. Do I jump up and down and say, wow, thank you. This is amazing. Of course not. Because I have paid for that. I have earned it. It's not a gift. I did something to deserve it. The Bible is very clear. For you and I to have hearts of gratitude means that we must be overwhelmed with the reality that we did not deserve what God has given us. And if you are not a grateful person, that is a symptom that you do not know what God has given to you. By the way, a very important point on here is that gratitude is not something you can cultivate. Gratitude is the byproduct of having a way that you see the world. It is a way of looking at what God has done, where you are aware of his goodness 
And because you know it's a gift from a giver and you're the recipient, your response, the byproduct of seeing life this way is gratitude. You can't produce gratitude. You can only set your eyes in such a way that gratitude is the byproduct. Does everyone track with me? Give me a little head nod if you kind of follow. Now, there's one more piece in this passage that I think is so very important. Notice that not only is there a gift, a giver, and a recipient, but we're told in this very last part of the verse that gratitude is actually a choice. Notice, we will rejoice. We will be glad. In other words, the human will, your decision on how you look at life determines if you are a grateful person or not. You are not a victim to what you see. You get to choose what you see. So if you're not grateful, it's not because the world is against you. It's not because God is against you. It's because you have chosen not to see what God has already given to you. But if you're a grateful person, you've made the choice that even in this day, in this moment, even in the difficult seasons, there is something from God he wants to give to me. Are we all together on this? So now, I need to say this, and I don't mean this harsh, but I need to say this very clearly. The default posture of the human soul is not towards gratitude, is it? It's not towards, thank you, God. It's towards, why me? It's not toward, wow, look at all you've given, but I don't have enough. Isn't it an amazing thing that the more and more this world and our nation gets, where we have more things than ever before in the history of the world, and yet we are not becoming more grateful, we are becoming more entitled. So more things do not make one more grateful. Better perspective makes one better at being grateful. And so one of the things that we see here, and put this up on screen, point number one, the, biggest, the bigger the sense of entitlement, the smaller the sense of gratitude. The bigger the sense of entitlement, the smaller the sense of gratitude. Let me put it a different way for you. The more I think I'm entitled to something, the less I will be grateful for that thing. I deserve a spouse who loves me and takes care of me. Therefore, I'm not grateful for the good things my spouse does. I deserve a good job that pays me well, so I'm not thankful for the work I get to do. Do you see how this works? On the other hand, the more we go, wow, I can't believe I have a spouse that would put up with me. By God's grace, they've seen this body and they still love me. Thank you, Jesus. Anyone else want to say thank you, God? All the men do. When you see what God has done, it changes how grateful you are. The Bible says that when we are not grateful, this is not simply grumbling. The Bible equates grumbling with, hear me now, sin. And God takes grumbling very seriously. In fact, we're told that he killed a whole generation of Israelites because they grumbled about what they felt was the injustice of God. May we never be a people marked by grumbling. And complaining. The Jews were very intentional about making sure that they did not grumble. In fact, they were so intentional, they had this practice. Now, before I go into it, let me give you one last piece here. Grumbling is so prevalent in our culture, that's one of the reasons we've seen so many lawsuits taking place over the past number of years. Have you noticed this? Let me give you just a few examples. Years ago, the San Francisco Giants were sued for passing out Father's Day gifts. Get me now. They were sued for handing out Father's Day's gifts only to fathers or to men. They were sued for that. 
Or how about this situation? A psychologist or a psychology professor sued for sexual harassment because of the presence, get this now, of mistletoe at a Christmas party. I'm going to sue you because there's mistletoe at the party. But my favorite one is a psychic was awarded $986,000 when a doctor's CAT scan impaired her psychic abilities. Now, you have to wonder about her psychic abilities if she didn't know going to that particular doctor would mess things up. And so because of this, because our human hearts are bent inward, we must practice gratitude. So the Jews, they were very, very intentional about this. And they would practice daily gratitude. They would do this thing. They had two types of prayers. They would pray the Shema, that is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. We've heard this, correct? But they would also quote what they called the 18 benedictions. The 18 benedictions, that word benediction, just Latin for bene is good, diction, word. So it's the 18 good words. Every day they would bless the Lord in prayer with 18 good words. And they would pray and thank God for everything. For instance, let me give you a few. When they woke up, they had a prayer. When they went to bed, they had a prayer. During the day, they would pray. At meals, they would pray. In fact, how many of you have watched that show about Jesus and his apostles called The Chosen? Any of you here seen The Chosen? It's a fantastic show. Free of charge, you can look it up. But if you've watched that show, you have actually heard them pray some of the authentic Jewish 18 benedictions. Let me give you a couple. For instance, when you are going to sleep, blessed are you, O Lord, excuse me, blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings sleep to my eyes, that you would thank God for sleep. Or how about this one? Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who brings forth bread from the earth. So when you eat, you thank God for everything. Did you know also that the Jewish people prayed and thanked God, not just for one part of the meal, but they prayed for different pieces. As one part was served, they thanked the Lord. As another one was served, they thanked the Lord. In other words, every part was worthy of praise and gratitude. Are we getting a rhythm here, church? Everyone say yes. Everything. In fact, let me give you a few more examples. They didn't just do this. They had a blessing for when you light a lamp because they recognized if God did not speak light into the world, we would live in darkness. How terrifying would that be? Or what about this one for sunshine? How many of us are glad that there is no rain today? Yeah. In fact, how many of us who live here in the beautiful city of Chattanooga are glad that our winters do not include ice, do not include snowy roads that you get stuck on? Anyone else grateful for that? They have a place for those kind of things. They call it Chicago. And that is where God sends people he does not love. But he sends good people to Chattanooga to enjoy this kind of weather. Can I get an oh yeah? God also, through the Jews, they had a blessing for when you finished building your house. Thank you, Lord. Anyone here go through the process of building a house? Let me see some hands. Or how about a renovation? Anyone here deal with a renovation? Don't you wish there was a blessing you knew for the day when the last hammer was nailed? Amen. In fact, there was nothing too small to thank God for. The rabbis, the teachers of the Jews, they would have their disciples follow along, and they would go everywhere with the rabbis. And they would listen in to see, is there a blessing for this activity or this situation? In fact, and I'm not making this up, there are historic records of the disciples following their rabbis into the bushes as their rabbis went to use the restroom. After all, there may be a blessing associated with this, and we want to know what it is. I'm not making this up. There's a record of one rabbi. I'm going to see if I can get this right. His name is 
a a Bai, I believe, and he said, this is how you should thank the Lord in this situation. Blessed are you, O Lord, who has formed man in wisdom and created in him many orifices and many cavities. Now, we laugh or we think that's undignified or we think that's awkward, but how many of us don't raise your hand? How many of us know what it's like when something doesn't work the way it's supposed to work? And then when it does, we thank God for it. See, we hear this and we are a little offended that we would even mention that in church. How shameful to bring this up. But the rabbis would say, shame on us for believing we are so dignified that we cannot thank God for even the smallest gifts of God. How dare we ever think that there are some things so small or unnoble that we cannot bless the Lord for his good gifts. So what are you writing down? Look at that note card. What are you adding to the sheet? Are there things now that are coming to mind that you want to thank God for? In a moment, we're going to invite you to actually put them on the boards. And we're going to praise God here this morning. Now, I know for some of us in this room, we are going through a hard season. And we go, it is hard to praise God through hard times. And so I want to give you one last thing to consider before we give you a moment to reflect and put your praises on these boards. See, the very chapter of Psalm 118 is a giant reflection on the goodness of God. And there are these verses earlier on where David says, or the psalmist says rather, when I was in hard places, you were still with me. You did not let me go even when everything else was falling apart. And so there's, there's this rhythm in there, but there's something deeper. Can I take you deeper now into the text just for the last moment? Would that be okay? We're going to do it anyway, so you might as well be polite. Here we go. You ready? Psalm 118 is the most quoted Old Testament chapter in the New Testament. It is called a Hillel Psalm. Everyone say Hillel. Hillel means praise. Chapters 113 through 118 were the Hillel Psalms. These were quoted regularly. In fact, most scholars believe Jesus quoted Psalm 118. You want to know when? After the last meal, when they took the Lord's Supper, when they enjoyed that final meal... It says that they sang a hymn and went to the Garden of Gethsemane, or the Mount of Olives. That hymn, they believe, most scholars believe, was Psalm 118. Can you imagine being Jesus, knowing you're about to be crucified, and you sing, This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Can you imagine... That even in the worst moment, God says, there is something to be grateful for. But let me take you a little deeper. This whole chapter is called a messianic psalm, meaning it points us to the coming Messiah. Yes, it was written during David's time, but it was about Jesus. Let me give you a few. For instance, in verse 22, that is the most quoted verse from the Old Testament in the New Testament. Notice what it says. The stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is Psalm 118.22. Jesus quotes this of himself saying, I, the chosen one, has been rejected by men. I will be crucified, but God will use me as the foundation on which salvation, hope, and everyone's future will depend. Is that good news to anyone else? And then he says, the Lord has done this, and it is marvelous in our eyes. God is the one who has saved us. God is the one who's done the work. When you wonder, does God love me? Remember this verse, the Lord has done this. Who lifted Jesus up? It wasn't the religious leaders because they rejected him. 
It wasn't the Gentile Romans because they crucified him. It wasn't the Jewish multitude because they chose another. It wasn't the disciples because they ran away. It wasn't the influential followers of Jesus because they just buried him. It wasn't the devoted women because they were filled with grief. Only God the Father is the great giver of life. No one else. At the red-hot center of gratitude is the gospel message that God sent Jesus. But it goes deeper. Here we go. After this, we then have this beautiful statement. Next slide. Lord, save us. Now, this phrase may seem innocuous to most of us, but it's actually an incredible statement. This little phrase, that's a Hebrew word. It is pronounced hoshiana. Hoshiana. Does that sound familiar to anyone else? You may be more familiar with the Greek version of this exact same word. It is Hosanna. Where do we hear people crying out Hosanna, church? On Palm Sunday when Jesus rode in on the donkey and they continue with this phrase, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Psalm 118 pointed us to the day when Christ would come into our broken world declaring himself as king and saying, If you need hope, I am here. And it goes on, from the house of the Lord we bless you. The Lord is God, and he has made his light shine on us. Now notice this, with boughs in hand, with branches in hand. When did people lay down their branches for Jesus? On Palm Sunday. Do you see how from the beginning to the end, all of it, the very source of gratitude, is about the day when God entered our world. So if on this day you say, I can't be grateful, it's too hard, the invitation from God is to remember that day, on this day, and may it overflow in us gratitude for the good God and Savior. So we're going to practice it. We're going to give you a couple minutes now to write down anything that may be on your heart. Put down something that you want to share or that is just kind of a blessing from God. You don't have to sign your name. In fact, don't feel like you need to. We're going to play a little music in the background and then we're going to sing all together. So you've got plenty of time, but begin to write that down. And then I'm going to invite you, be bold, come forward and share what God has done for you. So let's begin practicing now.